0: It is Kale and Company live for a Monday, the 9th of October. We are delighted to have you with us right here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. 1450 AM. The signal that's been around for over oh 77 years. Something like that. 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM and blasting into uh, downtown Manchester and, of course, streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And uh, I, I don't know, people call today uh, different things. Uh, it, it was called uh, Columbus Day for, for many years, uh, Indigenous people Day, People's Day. That's uh, what I think the majority of people are calling it these days. And uh, also... As I found out, it is Native American Day, which kind of makes sense. So whatever it is, I know many of you have the day off today, so hope you're enjoying that and listening to the program. Maybe some of you never get a chance to listen if you're at work at this time, so we welcome you. And I do want to remind you, heard this on WMUR this morning, that the New Hampshire Department of Motor Vehicles in Concord and I guess other locations around the state, uh, will be closed today for training. So if you were planning to take your day off to uh, register your vehicle or apply for a license or get a license renewal or anything along those lines, you're out of luck today. So you'll have to reschedule for another day. But uh, New Hampshire Department of Motor Vehicles is uh, closed for the day due to training. And they said they haven't uh, taken a day like this in like 20 years. So uh, anyway, they they chose today. Uh, Another aircraft has gone down in New Hampshire. Another sad story. Uh, Fish and Game says JBI Helicopter Services reported a helicopter departed from their location in Croydon, New Hampshire, in the western part of the state, around Uh, 7.30 on Sunday night. Fish and Game says the helicopter, helicopter could not be tracked on radar shortly after departure. Helicopter was heading to Rhode Island at the time of the crash, according to authorities. Croydon Fire Chief Jason Rook said the plane crashed into a swampy area off Pine Hill Road. Chief said the pilot was the only person on board. And Chief Rook told WMUR the crews were led to the scene by the smell of fuel. Officials say the helicopter was located by search crews around 1.50 on Monday morning. Cause of the crash is still under investigation. And uh, officials say uh, the pilot was killed uh, in the crash. Carl Svensson. Uh, 73 years old uh, from Loudon was found dead at the scene just before 2 a.m. this morning. So we had uh, one last week that uh, crashed in the Lakes region, and of course uh, the uh, small plane that killed former Patriots tight end Russ Francis. And uh, a friend of his in Lake Placid, New York. So we've had uh, three aircraft uh, go down uh, within uh, a little over a week, and uh, as a result, uh, four people uh, died as a result of uh, those three uh, crashes. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to open on a on a uh, down note, but uh, I, I guess we'll continue along that vein and, and say that. Uh, it appears as if the Patriots have hit rock bottom. I can't imagine imagine it getting any worse, but uh, maybe, maybe it will. Who knows? Uh, the way things are going with the Pats these days, they uh, lost yesterday to the New Orleans Saints in Foxborough, thirty-four to nothing, and it was their worst home loss in franchise history. Now that goes back to 1960 when they were the Boston Patriots and were playing at the old Nickerson Field on the campus of uh, Boston University. It used to be known as Braves Field, where the Boston Braves played before they moved to uh, Milwaukee and then later on Atlanta. So at any rate, Patriots going to 1-4 uh, and four now on the season. And uh, coming up this Sunday, this coming Sunday, they will have uh, a game in Las Vegas uh, against the uh, Vegas Raiders. Patriots have been outscored in their last two games 72 to 3. And for the second straight week, starting quarterback Mac Jones was replaced in the fourth quarter by backup Bailey Zappi. Uh, Zappi didn't do any better than uh, Mac Jones, but the, the problem is deeper than the uh, quarterbacks in, in this scenario. Now, I, I know that Mac Jones has made his share of, of uh, poor decisions, made his share of bad passes, but, you know, every quarterback goes through that. I mean, this is a much deeper issue than just one player. Now, could the Patriots use an upgrade at quarterback? Yeah, probably so. But. I don't care what quarterback quarterback you bring in with the offensive line that the Patriots currently have. Uh, Tom Brady in his prime would not thrive with that type of offensive line. It's just uh, it, it, it's poor, very poor roster construction on the part of the Patriots, and uh, most of the blame. I would say a, the lion's share of the blame rests at the feet of Bill Belichick. And I don't know how much longer uh, Robert Kraft is going to uh, put up with this. I, I really don't. Uh, he, Robert Kraft does not embrace, well, I was going to say mediocrity very well, but this is, uh, this is not even mediocrity. Uh, this is far worse than mediocrity. <laughs> the the uh, Patriots have hit rock bottom. You think the Red Sox hit rock bottom? You haven't seen the Patriots. Oh, man, it, it has not been a, a, uh, a very good period of time for Boston sports fans in, in recent months. But there was some glimmer of hope. If you're looking on the bright side of life, as we like to do, there was some hope last night, if you uh, watched the Celtics' uh, first preseason game from the TD Garden, and uh, the Celtics beat the Philadelphia 76ers, 114-106, a preseason game, but uh, it was a fun game, I'll tell you, it was an up-tempo game, and the Celtics uh, looked good. Now, Philadelphia did not have uh, reigning NBA MVP Joel Embiid in the lineup, nor did they have... Uh, James Harden, who has yet to report to Sixers training camp. He, he's having a, a contract dispute. He wants out of his oh third or fourth city as an NBA player. Uh, so Harden's status with the Sixers is up in the air. But uh, no Embiid, no Harden. Celtics won by the eight-point margin, as I mentioned. And Peyton Pritchard, one of my favorite Celtics, led the way with uh, 26 points. And Peyton Pritchard did not get a whole lot of playing time last year uh, for the Celtics. But I think in the years to come now, he's only 25, still not in his prime. Yesterday, he agreed to a four-year contract extension with the Celtics for a reported $30 million. So about $7.5 million a year for Peyton Pritchard and he will be playing more of a role uh, with the team this year and in years to come than he did last year, or at least you have to think that way. I mean, they did bring in uh, Drew Holiday in that big trade they recently made, and he played last night. Kristaps Porzingis played last night for the Celtics and made uh, a positive impact as well. So at least the Celtics show some glimmers of hope that we might have something to cheer for uh, in in, in the Boston and New England sports world in uh, the days and and weeks ahead. And the Bruins will open their season on uh, Wednesday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. And we have the uh, New Hampshire Mountain Kings uh, playing at the Tritown Ice Arena this weekend. So uh, they're all good things to look forward to. Uh, The Red Sox season was uh, dismal for the most part. Uh, The Patriots season has gone even worse. So (laughs) at least there are some positives. Always look on the bright side of life. Right, folks? We're going to take a break, and then coming up, we're going to talk a little hockey, talk a little college hockey with my friend John Leahy. uh, John, the voice of the Merrimack College uh, hockey team. And we'll find out how the Warriors are going to do this year. And a little talk about uh, Hockey East so far. UNH, uh, the hockey team, opens their season this Friday night against the number one team in the country, uh, Boston University. We'll take a break. We'll continue. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Hale & Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And uh, joining us, as he will, here on uh, Mondays on the show, we welcome back John Leahy. John, good morning
1: to you. Ken, good morning. Thank you for having me on. I truly appreciate it. Well,
0: John, it is our pleasure. No no doubt about that. And I know the uh, collegiate hockey season is, is uh, getting underway, the uh, women getting a little jump uh, on the men uh, in, in Hockey East. And I know you've been uh, following uh, uh, both very closely. So uh, tell us, uh, I, I know you're, you're, you know, John, by the way, if, if you missed it before the break, is the longtime voice of the Merrimack Warriors hockey team, Merrimack College. And uh, John is, also does the women's games for Merrimack. And they had a very good weekend.
1: Yeah, actually, Ken, the uh, women were uh, terrific this weekend. They uh, won both of the games uh, that they played. And the women have won three in a row. So uh, they had a nice start with a win over St. Anselm and then uh, going out to Syracuse, New York, to picking up a sweep uh, over the Syracuse Orange. So uh, Warriors, one of the two hottest teams in hockey, so... With a big game against Northeastern coming up Friday night, uh, we're looking forward to it.
0: Northeastern always seems to be the hottest team in in women's hockey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're a juggernaut. Um, You know, even though they lost a ton of talent a year ago, they pretty much picked up right where they've left off, winning five of their first six. So league play starts for the women uh, this weekend. And we're excited for this uh, game Friday night.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I had a chance to see uh, the UNH women uh, on uh, Friday night play the number eight seated of uh, the number eight ranked team in the, in the country as far as women's hockey is concerned, and that's uh, the Bobcats of uh, Quinnipiac uh, University. And Quinnipiac has a, a juggernaut. Uh, UNH gave them a good battle uh, on uh, Friday night. Uh, and uh, Quinnipiac wound up winning in overtime 3-2, to but uh, Quinnipiac uh, prevailed on Saturday as well, uh, 4-1 to over UNH.
1: Yeah, I, I happened to watch uh, your game on Friday, and I was very impressed by uh, UNH in that third period. You know, down 2 nothing to a team as uh, great as Quinnipiac. Uh, Wildcats showed a lot of heart and determination, came back to tie that game 2-2, and unfortunately uh, lost it in overtime, but I think uh, you know UNH is going to be a solid team this year. I, I heard some of the comments that Hillary Witt made about how they all believe in each other, and that was uh, certainly the case on Friday. And we expect great things from the uh, Wildcats as they start league play this weekend. In fact, uh, the Wildcats will see Merrimack on Saturday at the Whittemore Center after they visit Maine on Friday. So uh, excited to get the league play started for the women.
0: Absolutely. Uh, what about on the uh, the men's side of the ledger?
1: Well, Kevin, uh, the men got off to a great start this weekend. You know, the first couple of weeks of the season are almost primarily devoted to non-league play. All right? And uh, you had uh, six teams, six of the men's teams, uh, were undefeated this weekend. So uh, that was great. UConn picked up a win and a tie at Colgate. You had Boston College going down to Quinnipiac and spoiling the Bobcats banner uh, celebration.
0: Oh, boy, right? yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, BC went down there and beat them in overtime 2-1. to one. BU uh, picked up an overtime win at Bentley. Um, UMass had a home win over AIC. Uh, Northeastern beat Stonehill. and Providence and UMass Lowell uh, both took airline trips. Providence uh, split at Michigan, uh, which was uh, a big achievement, and uh, Lowell, Uh, uh, split out at Alaska Anchorage. So the Riverhawks have a long flight home after the split. And uh, the other four teams have not yet played a game, although they have played uh, exhibitions. Maine and UNH played an exhibition game up in uh, Waterville, Maine, this weekend, which the Black Bears won. And uh, Merrimack will get started this weekend, as will Vermont. So, you know, you look at how hockey East compares against the rest of the country. This was a good barometer. And uh, the men did very well.
0: And the, the Merrimack men are uh, heading out west.
1: Warriors will play at Arizona State this weekend. It will be the Warriors' first trip ever to the desert. Uh, Merrimack beat Arizona State several years ago when they met at Merrimack, when the Sun Devils first became a D1 program. Merrimack won that game 10-0. to nothing. Uh, But this Arizona State team, which recently was admitted or is going to be admitted to um, the NCHC, uh, the Warriors will have a huge test with Arizona State, and uh, then they'll uh, get home to start the home part of the schedule, so I will be watching those two games from afar, I'll be uh, taking notes, and uh, best luck to the Warriors this weekend.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, one of the results uh, over the weekend was uh, Boston University uh, just getting by Bentley, 3-2, uh, to two. BU goes into the season as the number one ranked team uh, in the country, and... Uh, and Bentley gave him a pretty good scare.
1: Yeah, they sure did. Uh, Lane Lane Hudson, who was uh, pretty much the MVP of the league last year, scored the game-winning goal for the Terriers. But you know, you take a look at all the polls that have come out. BU is at the top in pretty much every poll. Uh, I think uh, BU is going to get even better than they were last year. The Terriers won hockey East, and they went into the NCAA tournament. And they've got. A uh, very uh, celebrated freshman coming in by the name of Macklin Celebrini, and he scored his first collegiate goal. Uh, Bentley plays tough in that building. I know that firsthand. I've done a couple of games over there. and Bentley uh, debuted their new coach in Andy Jones, and uh, that was one heck of a hockey game. BU did prevail, but it just goes to show you how great the college game is, Ken. There's uh, a lot of close games on a nightly basis of uh, BU Got it out, a, a road victory in Waltham this weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One, one BU almost knocked off another BU uh, in, in that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: So what do you look for this weekend? Of course, uh, UNH home uh, Friday night to host that uh, aforementioned number one ranked team in the country, uh, Boston University. What do you think about that matchup?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know if you're going to start your hockey's play, you might as well start it against. Uh, the, the best, and uh, you know UNH will uh, certainly be uh, ready for that game. I, I hope the Whittemore Center is sold out. Uh, that's the first Hockey East League game uh, of the season, and uh, you know the Terriers opening on the road here, so they'll they'll certainly have their hands full with UNH. I know Mike Souza will have that team ready, and uh, I'll be uh, looking forward to checking in on that game. Everything else in the league is uh, non-league uh, one uh set of games that i have my eye on is michigan coming east here as they'll play umass uh in a uh, two-game weekend series of uh, vermont will go up to the north country to play st lawrence and clarkson we talked about merrimack going west to play arizona will host rpi and providence will host stonehill who just went division one across the board stonehill opened up with a seven nothing loss at northeastern on saturday and uh Long Island heads over to BC, and uh, UConn will play Holy Cross at a home and home. So, again, these non-league games are a big test, and uh, I hope Hockey East will fare well.
0: Absolutely. So that uh, that BUU and H game is the only Hockey East game uh, on the schedule next weekend.
1: Yeah, it is. So yep. uh, you know, good for those teams that they're going to get to, uh, you know, start to uh, get Hockey East play done early. The women uh, will be. You know, pretty much into hockey's play as well. Northeastern comes to Merrimack on Friday. We'll have that one on ESPN. Uh, UNH will go to Maine and host Merrimack. And uh, let's see, we've got uh, UConn heading over to BC for a couple. Vermont will play uh, St. Lawrence in a home and home. Holy Cross will have Brown in a home and home. And Providence will head to Quinnipiac. And uh, BC, those two games against UConn. And uh, BU will host Syracuse for a pair. So. Uh, The Hockey East is starting to heat up on the women's side of the league play, and the men will follow very shortly.
0: Well, Absolutely so, and uh, we will keep you posted uh, every Monday morning here with our good friend uh, John Leahy, who I believe is off to uh, uh, call a game later today.
1: Yeah, Ken, I do some uh, side work with uh, the Eastern Hockey League, and uh, the Bridgewater Bandits are the team I cover. The Bandits have a game at noontime today here on Columbus Day, so... Uh, if my health and my voice uh, hold out, I'll be happy to do that game, and then uh, we'll be ready for Friday night.
0: Well, John, you get a little uh, tea and honey in your system, and and you'll be just fine.
1: (laughs) I hope so,
2: Ken. (laughs) I appreciate it. Well,
0: I appreciate you joining us, and as we kick off uh, another uh, exciting collegiate season, and uh, thanks so much. We appreciate it.
1: Ken, it's always a great pleasure talking to you. I look forward to check it in next week.
0: All right. That is John Leahy, the longtime voice of the Merrimack College Warriors hockey team, and uh, we'll be uh, keeping track of them. And, of course, the uh, UNH Wildcats and all the uh, men's and women's teams uh, in Hockey East as the season progresses. And coming up, we will talk with uh, an author who has written any number of books, and his name is uh, Irvin Muchnick. And Urban is going to be talking about uh, his new book. And it's called Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in Football Conditioning. It is coming up right after this break. Kale and Company live right here WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale & Company live here on this Monday morning. Great to have you along with us. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, every summer, several American boys die on the football fields across the country because of sloppily conceived or administered uh, conditioning drills. Since tracking began in the 1930s, more than 700 teenagers have died in high school football and of those deaths, they are uh, four times more likely to die during practice and conditioning than they are from blocking and tackling during the games themselves. And that's not even uh, counting the uh, the number of young men succumbing uh, in the college ranks. And our guest today is author and investigative journalist Irvin Muchnick, and uh, he has written a just-released book entitled Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in Football Conditioning. And uh, good morning to you, Mr. Muchnick. Good morning. Thank you for the nice introduction. Well, I certainly feel it's a a compelling and a topic that uh, should be talked a little bit more about. And uh, in in your book, you you detail... Uh, several recent cases of death on the gridiron and, and uh, how those and other cases uh, should not be thought of a- as uh, outliers.
2: Absolutely. I think, uh, I think it's, it's uh, more apt to look at this as a kind of social pandemic. Death not by bronchial asthma or exertional sickling or something very few people know about. Uh, exertional attack associated with sickle cell trait, which is something that afflicts the African-American community, which is very important considering how disproportionately represented black men are in the sport of football. But rather, we should think of this as death by football itself, by the uh, oversized hold over our culture and our society that this this sport has, which, of course, is extremely popular. But the question is, why are high schools, our junior colleges, and our state universities are free developmental systems for this $15 billion a year industry that's uh, taking the lives and ruining the lives of many people, and not just from the concussion syndrome that so many people are familiar with, but uh, as we see many times a year, or several times a year, I should say, uh, just from uh, uh, from the act of conditioning to make the uh, the boys in the sport tougher specimens of masculinity, I think it's something that uh, that fans and everyone should be thinking more deeply about.
0: Well, as you mentioned, uh, certainly football is uh, very popular on all levels uh, in this country, and as a result of that. You know, our, uh, this is something to ponder here. Our, our football coaches granted a uh, custodial waiver, as it were, uh, for the way practices and uh, conditioning sessions uh, are conducted by some of those coaches?
2: I definitely think that's the case, and it's time in, in some instances to, to uh, move the legal uh, litigation over these matters from civil to criminal, uh, in, 19, in 2018, and, uh, a 19-year-old young man from New Jersey took his second airplane flight of his life to southwestern Kansas, where he was recruited by Garden City Community College, and Braden Bradforth was dead within 72 hours on the first day of practice. There has been one uh, a documented case of prosecuting a coach for negligence or Reckless endangerment in Louisville, Kentucky, the coach was acquitted. But as these cases pile up, I think we should be thinking more about doing more than just writing a check for a few million dollars to pay off a bereaved family. In in the football industry, that's what's known as the cost of doing business.
0: Well, your uh, main narrative uh, in this book uh, concentrates on the the non- traumatic training circumstances, as you mentioned, and that, that could lead to death, uh, heat stroke, uh, bronchial asthma, just to, to mention a couple, and that's uh, really the, the, main, the main focus of your book.
2: Right, and, and also exertional sickling. Mm-hmm. One out of 12 African-American men carry the sickle cell trait, which is not the same as sickle cell anemia. Uh, they can live perfectly normal lives, but they do need to be especially attentive to uh, a sudden uh, attack during exertion, and when that happens, as it did at, at where I live at the University of California Berkeley in 2014, uh, perhaps the greatest public university in the world, but something uh, an institution uh, uh, dirty by the football industry, they covered it up and tried to make the public uh, believe that it was a generic heart attack when it wasn't. So. There are a lot of ugly stories here, uh, most of which have been buried by by the local news media and, and other outlets. And my hope is that this book will awaken readers to learn the full extent of football harm to our public health in the round and consider the possibility that this is not an activity that belongs in our public schools.
0: Well, over a decade ago, uh, much work was done to investigate uh, concussions and, and CTE, and, and I, th- I think you're viewing this book as another opportunity to probe the dangers that in, in many cases uh, are preventable uh, on the football field.
2: Yeah, but the, the, be- the best way of preventing is to downsize this blood sport, no matter how popular it is. Uh, there was a time in our country when a heavyweight boxing championship fight would galvanize the nation in much the way that Super Bowl Sunday does now, but we no longer have high school boxing teams, and I don't think we should have high school football teams anymore. And you're right, the uh, traumatic brain injury crisis has been uh, much in the uh, news and in the public conversation for the last 10 or so years, but I don't think it's getting us anywhere in considering Uh, public health harm in all its phases in football. There's just so much you can do to make this sport safer, and at a certain point, it causes a threshold of orthopedic damage, uh, uh, neurological damage, internal organ damage, and I think leads to uh, metrics of of, uh, opioid abuse, domestic violence, and other things that affect our entire adult male population in this country or a large segment of it that has participated in this sport even at the feeder levels, and uh, we should uh, all be considering whether the trade-off is really acceptable for our society.
0: So you would be in favor of banning high school football period?
2: Not banning football but making it such that those parents who are determined to send their sons into this particular extracurricular activity do so on private fields and private programs so that we no longer have these uh, these assumed and really unaccounted for subsidies in our healthcare system and in our, uh, our insurance system and our K-12 school systems, which... Uh, which pay enormous sums of money to uh, to produce farm systems for this form of entertainment.
0: So you're saying something uh, in football along the lines maybe of uh, you know, the basketball uh, AAU programs.
2: Yeah, there's no reason why people who want wanted to do this can't do it. But just the idea that there's social pressure on kids in high schools to do this, to impress the girls mm-hmm. and to... Uh, and to make their parents believe they're uh, they're becoming serious young men, these are the kinds of 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 uh, of thought uh, tropes that we should be rethinking. I think in American society.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, through movies and and TV, uh, maybe even some personal experiences, we've seen many coaches over the years that uh, look at themselves as kind of uh, marine drill instructors. Uh, looking to turn uh, some meek young men into warriors by, you know, their extreme methods and and extreme workout regimens,
2: right? And and uh, and the last thing to say about this is that we don't have our arms around the concussion problem itself, which is which is plenty scary. What we have, and I wrote a book about that too yeah. earlier, was we have a we have a concussion industrial complex, which creates cottage industries to produce better helmets, which are nothing more than better mousetraps, and to fiddle around with the rules, which really don't change the fact that in a forward-colliding sport, lots of terrible things happen, including things like we saw on national television with DeMar Hamlet just earlier this year. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Our guest is uh, Irvin Muchnick, and uh, Irvin has written any number of books. What's your total right now? So well, this is my fifth book. Fifth book, and uh, the one he just referred to was uh, Concussion, Inc., The End of Football as We Know It, which came out in uh, 2012. Uh, he's written a couple of uh, very intriguing uh, books about professional wrestling uh, as well. Wrestling Babylon, pile-driving tales of drugs, sex, death, and scandal. Chris and Nancy, The True Story of the Benoit uh, Murder-Suicide. And Pro Wrestling's Cocktail of Death that came out in 2009. So uh, you, you have written some uh, amazing books. And I hope you can stay with us for a couple more minutes and uh, talk more about your most recent uh, most recent uh, entry into the literary field.
2: Yeah, glad, glad, to, glad to
0: do it. All right. The name of uh, Irvin Muchnick's new book is Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in football conditioning just out about a week ago. And we'll uh, talk more with its author following these words. Kale & Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale & Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And uh, our guest on this segment of the program is Irvin Muchnick, who has a just-published book, Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in Football Conditioning. And uh, Irvin, tell us about uh, the the scandal and cover-up at one of the uh, top academic colleges in the country, Cal Berkeley, uh, around the conditioning uh, of a football player.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, the, the best way to persuade people around this subject is through the horrible individual stories which bereave, you know, mothers, fathers, uh, siblings, families, and communities. And, and one of the most awful stories in my book is about Ted Agu, the son of Nigerian immigrants from Southern California, who wasn't really quite good enough for the NFL and really wasn't even good enough to get a college scholarship, but uh, loved the sport. and and enrolled at the University of California Berkeley as a pre-med student and played four years as a walk-on player, Uh, not as a star, but as somebody who was very respected by his teammates. Uh, Ted Agu had the sickle cell trait. He was screened for it. The university knew it. The trainers knew it. The doctors knew it. The coaches knew it. And yet, in uh, 2014, in a bizarre 6 a.m., uh, uh off-season conditioning drill that involved running up a campus hillside 10 times carrying a thick rope something never you know not seen in any kinesiology kinesiology uh a textbook or any uh uh reputable conditioning manual Ted Agus collapsed several times and died of exertional sickling the uh university was was deathly afraid of their reputation uh, if it came out that that, that, uh, that he had been pushed into this drill even though he had this known condition. And the uh, Cal team doctor, Dr. Casey Batten, who is now team physician for the Los Angeles Rams of the NFL, uh, put his thumb on the scale, called the uh, Alameda County Medical Examiner and told him it looked like uh, a case of a thickened heart or generic heart condition. Uh, when when everyone went inside the new university knew full, full well otherwise. And it took until the settlement of the family's wrongful death lawsuit against the university, which settled in uh, 2016 for $4.75 million for the university to uh, 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 acknowledge that it had actually been exertional sickling, and for the Alameda County Sheriff's Office to revise the original autopsy findings. So everyone at Cal involved in this story fell upward in the football system, including the head coach at Cal at the time, Sonny Dykes, who's now the toast of college football, the coach of the uh, uh, TCU in Fort Worth, Texas, whom he took to the national championship game last year. So these are the kind of interconnecting stories mm-hmm. of football world that I hope uh, uh, people will reflect on uh, when they read without helmets or shoulder pads.
0: And uh, another case you you, uh, detail is the University of Maryland accepting the legal and moral responsibility in the death of uh, Jordan McNair.
2: I do have to say that that, at the University of Maryland with Jordan McNair in 2018, and that was exertional heat stroke, which is the number one killer of kids in uh, football. I I do have to say that the University of Maryland uh, stepped up to the plate much more than other institutions do in these situations, accepted responsibility. Uh, Wallace Lowe, the university president, actually eventually resigned. Uh, D.J. Durkin, the head coach, uh, 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 lost his job and is now in the process of rehabilitating his career. And it was yet another case, as we also saw at Cal, of these toxic uh, conditioning programs run by uh, strength and conditioning coaches under head coaches who were determined to, quote, change the culture of their program and uh, make everyone uh, uh, tougher and stronger and meaner than they were before.
0: Now, there have been uh, football safety studies undertaken by entities with uh, ties to the NFL or the NCAA. Uh, most I would have to say, uh, fall short in disseminating uh, much uh, useful public health information.
2: The truth of the matter is that football and public health don't go together any more than uh, (laughs) smoking cigarettes uh, and living long and and, uh, healthy lives go together. And there's actually, although there's so much focus now on, on traumatic brain injury in recent years, the fact of the matter is that the football industry and the public have been doing a dance around around uh, safety and public health for more than 100 years. People are familiar with uh, with the mythology of President Teddy Roosevelt supposedly saving the sport of football in the early 20th century when he convened a panel of experts. It really was a big dog and pony show, and it involved little tweaks of the rules, uh, Concussions themselves have been a well-known problem for a long time, but it wasn't until uh, Dr. Bennett Amalu came around and studied the uh, brains of dead Pittsburgh Steelers players that we realized that the term CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which has been applied to boxers since uh, the 1920s and is seen in the medical literature under exactly that name, it wasn't until very recent years that we be- began applying it to football players. So I think that that, that uh, my goal in my book, without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, is to get the public to expand their their concern, which is somewhat superficial but still a concern, around uh, concussions and traumatic brain injury, and look at the whole in the round fully contextual evidence of what this sport does to those who play in it, and whether this is something that should be a, a universally thrust upon American males rather than something that is self-selected by a particular group of gladiators who want to do it for glory and riches.
0: Have there ever been any uh, criminal investigations into football fatalities on the amateur level?
2: There was one in the early 2000s of a high school coach in Louisville, Kentucky, who had a, a, a young man who died of exertional heat stroke under conditions uh, that, that, that seemed to uh, indicate uh, negligence, reckless endangerment, and violation of uh, certain criminal statutes in uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And he was prosecuted, and he, he was uh, acquitted. At trial. The community was very much behind this coach. Uh, My feeling is that if we have more prosecutions in some of the more heinous cases, such as the one in Kansas involving Braden Bradforth and his coach, Jeff Sims, even if we don't get convictions, we start sending a message that this is a serious matter and it can curtail some of the worst abuses. Which are now routine and sort of carried on by football folk tradition.
0: So, so you do believe that things would change if there was a threat of criminal investigation?
2: Oh, well, I think we absolutely need to need to start transitioning from civil litigation to criminal prosecution in the worst instances, because uh, uh, for football, uh, uh, writing a writing a large check to make one case go away is the cost of doing business. This is a, an industry that has $15 billion, at least at the top, and it depends on the casual free farm system that it gets from our schools. And so anything that would more seriously impact individual cases instead of lawyers fighting over insurance coverage, I think would, be, would have a very hygienic effect on the football debate in this country.
0: Well, it is quite a book, and I would recommend it for uh, anyone who uh, is thinking of, uh, you know, uh, a uh, foray into football for their youngsters, and uh, it is uh, Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in Football Conditioning by Irvin Muchnick, his uh, fifth book. What are you working on now, Irvin? Well, I'll,
2: I'll have to see. I mean, one book usually leads to the next one I had written about uh, the double murder suicide of Chris Benoit in WWE and that's what got me uh, interested in traumatic brain injury and uh, who, and then traumatic brain injury led me to uh, a broader examination of of uh, the, the sport of football so we'll see we'll see what uh, what comes next
0: well we certainly appreciate you taking the time this morning to uh, be with us uh on the show, and uh, we look forward to uh, perhaps chatting with you again in the not-too-distant future.
2: Very good. I, I really appreciate the forum. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Thank you. Irvin Muchnick, uh, the author of uh, the just-published book, Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in Football Conditioning, as he mentioned. He has uh, written a couple of books related to professional wrestling: uh, "Wrestling Babylon," "Pile Driving Tales of Drugs, Sex, Death, and Scandal," "Chris and Nancy: The True Story of the Benoit uh, Murder Suicide," and "Pro Wrestling's Cocktail of Death." The uh, Chris and Nancy Benoit a book came out in 2007, and uh, "Pro Wrestling's Cocktail of Death" in 2000. Uh, 2000- And uh, 9 and uh, another book, uh, Concussion, Inc., came out in uh, 2012. Concussion, Inc., the end of football as we know it. That'll do it for this edition of uh, Kale & Company Live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. I appreciate you joining me on this uh, Monday. And uh, we have more great programming ahead. Kale & Company Live presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. Folks, have a great Monday, and always look on the bright side of life.